Hey everyone, it's Heather from the Be Well team, welcoming you to the Be Well podcast. Be Well is designed to address your health and well being in mind, body, and spirit. We hope this podcast encourages moments of personal reflection, inspires you to act on what moves you, and calls you to live your best life. So, welcome, and let's dive into today's episode. Well, on the podcast today, we are so excited to be talking about coping skills. The past 20 or so months have required each of us to use coping skills, healthy or not, to endure the hardship of the pandemic. And I'm really excited about this conversation that we have today with our guest, Lindsay Beagle. Lindsay is a school-based prevention specialist in our Youngstown market. So welcome, Lindsay. I'm really pumped to have you here with us. Would you go ahead and start with a reflection? Absolutely. So I'd like to share a piece by artist and poet Morgan Harper Nichols. All around us in this very moment, amid the shadows in grace, new beginnings are taking place and you are free to join in. You are free to trust that no matter what happened yesterday, this is where the light gets in. It's time to begin again. It's time to stay curious about what could be. It's time to trust that there is more to come. There is more to life than what is seen. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you for that. So Lindsay, go ahead and share a little bit about who you are, what you do, what's your role in the ministry, and how long have you been with us? Sure. So thanks for having me today. I am a school-based prevention specialist here in the Mercy Health Youngstown market. And really, I've been here about, it's going on three years in just a few months. And um, during this time, I've been part of the school-based prevention work that's targeting opioid prevention. So I work with kindergarten through fifth grade students and provide an opioid prevention curriculum. And really, I think it's important to understand prevention as a whole to really get a grasp of what I do. So I thought maybe I could tell everybody that's listening a little bit about what prevention is exactly. And I think it's best described with a parable. I thought I would share that with everyone if that sounds okay to you. If you can imagine a community, all right, it doesn't really matter where it is, but imagine a community that is continuously rescuing people from drowning in a river. So they're constantly having to fish people out. The river is draining the community of resources. It's exhausting the rescuers. It's really becoming a troublesome scenario. So the worst thing is that many of the people who are falling in, even though the community is trying to save them, they can't be saved. Now, Eventually, the community concludes that maybe we should send some people upstream to see how these people are ending up, you know, in this river and drowning. So they send some people upriver and they realize that there is a slippery cliff that people are standing on to see the river and they're falling in. So the community decides to build a protective barrier so that fewer people are able to fall off the cliff and into the river. So over time, that means there's less people that are falling, less people that are drowning, less people that need to be rescued, less people that are not making it. And the community ends up not only saving lives, but it's holding back its resources. It's really saving money and time and effort as well. So if you think of prevention, it's like the act of going upstream. It's finding what the root cause of the issue is. So in this case, the people that are drowning in the river. And it's finding a way to stop that scenario from taking place. So I know the word prevention, people know it means to prevent something, but it's really a particular science on how to go about getting to the point of intervening 
causing things to end differently than what you might predict. That's such important work. I am so grateful that there are people like you, Lindsay, who are starting at that, like you said, root cause, like getting down to the bottom of, okay, where is this starting and how can we prevent, you know, this next generation to, to not fall into some of those traps that maybe the generations before them have. Well, I'm really excited about our topic today on uh, coping skills and, and kind of this idea of mindful consumption. So I want to know what makes you want to talk about coping skills today? This pandemic's dramatically changed America. It's really brought about, you know, issues with people's relationships, how they spend their free time, um, what their political beliefs are, their employment status, their financial situations, just all of these things have been affected by this pandemic. And of course, mental health is a big one. And I think it's really hard to bring up the pandemic and not be thinking about all of the difficulties and challenges that people have faced. And I think it's important to focus on how people have made it through. I mean, the pandemic is not officially over by any means, but we've come very far and we've had a lot of progress, especially with vaccines. And Mm -hmm. it's just important to talk about the coping, the way that people made it to this point and that they're still hopefully okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just so that we can kind of break this down a little bit, can you tell us exactly what coping skills are? Sure. So it's really just a broad term. It could be used to describe basically anything that someone can do in the moment when they're feeling stressed, feeling lousy, feeling, you know, kind of in a funk to help turn down the the volume on those strong emotions or feelings and then avoid getting overwhelmed. So coping skills are very broad. It could be things like listening to music. It could be, you know, listening to a meditation. It could be drawing some pictures. It could be spending time with a friend. So coping skills, there's a lot of different things people can engage in that are considered a coping skill. You might be familiar with coping skills that sometimes people think of them, you know, in a, in a critical manner. They look at them like a band-aid. However, you know, instead of just going back to the root and saying, what's causing me to feel this way, let's fix it. The coping skills are kind of cool because, you know, it gives you a way to understand your feelings better, not just, oh, my feelings happen to me, but I'm experiencing them. I can control them. I can figure out how to deal with the things that life throws at me. Yeah. It's kind of like an individual Mm de-escalation of the situation. You know, it's, it is so important in that moment because it's not, it's not a bandaid. You're actually Mm -hmm. addressing the situation because you're being mindful about, okay, this is how I'm feeling. And this is the, this is the avenue that I'm going to go about getting through this hard moment so that then later I can go back and look at what was that, that I just went through. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point there. So we know that the pandemic has been a struggle for a lot of people. Um, COVID-19 seems to have really revealed a lot of coping behaviors that people rely on to cope in the midst of adversity. So Let's discuss a little bit of maybe some of the things that you're currently seeing in your practice. So when it comes to coping skills and what's happening right now, I feel like there's a good mixture of some negative and positive coping skills. I mean, you can break down coping skills into those two categories. A lot of the negative things that I've seen or even maybe engaged in myself are things like constantly watching the news, right? I did that a lot in the beginning of the pandemic. 
Oh yeah. Um, a lot of people have been engaging in um, reading and disseminating information about negative developments, whether it's about the virus or the vaccines, you know, people have been getting into conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that negative stuff going on there. And even like internally, a lot of people have the negative thinking, the worrying, um, they're worried about the future, their work, their life in general, the state of the world. So there was a lot of negative ways that people were coping with their thoughts and their actions, not really things that are going to help so much in the long run. Then there's the positive coping skills. So those are things like reaching out to help each other, you know, maybe providing a meal to somebody to know that they're taken care of if they're trying to social distance, or it could be something like going out in nature, going on walks or playing games with your family so that you're, you know, isolating, but still having a good time together. Or a lot of people took up meditation or exercising like yoga, Mm -hmm. those different coping strategies are positive for, you know, your own body, but they could also extend to other people too, like working with your family on a game that's positive for everyone, not just you. So contemplating, you know, your values and the changes that you could make in your life to really appreciate what you have are some, you know, positive ways that people have spun the way they coped with what happened in the pandemic as well. So I think it's important to realize that a skill is something that we learn. So it's just like any other skill, like cooking, tying your shoes, you know, you have to learn how to do those things. Same thing with coping. And I don't know if you're familiar with, you know, child development or child development, children learn from um, imitating behaviors of people around them, whether it's classmates, you know, teachers, parents, neighbors, and the same goes for all of us that are adults. We did the same thing. We imitated what we saw around us and coping skills are the same way. So we imitate the things that we've seen or learned from other people. You might've seen your parents, you know, drinking to cope with their feelings or something that happened in their life. You might see, you know, your teacher that talks about how she exercises when she deals with things that happen in her life. You have these different examples on cartoon shows, you know, little kids might see (laughs) something that's positive or something that's negative. And those skills are something that we learn and develop based on what we see people around us employing when they need to deal with a stressor. So some people are going to lean towards positive. Some people are going to lean towards negative. And sometimes it's a little bit of a wild card. It just depends on what the stressor is as well. Yeah. I feel like personally in the pandemic, I have had quite a range of negative to positive. And it's been, you know, in one day I can have the whole slew of them, or I can be really focused on the positive or really focused on the negative coping skills. And so this is just so interesting. When we listen to the news or browse our social media feeds, it can be exhausting. News and media are designed to keep you tuned in, not just informed. And it's up to you to decide when it's time to tune it all out. Learn more about how constant exposure to information impacts your mindset and find ways you can maintain clarity and resilience. In the News Fatigue Pathway, you'll learn how to mindfully consume media by covering topics such as information overload, your attention economy, and giving yourself permission to tune it all out. Check out the News Fatigue Pathway on Be Well today. So interesting. So I do, I do feel like a lot of people have been overcome by negative coping skills just in the midst of all of this. Um, and they've almost become these like new norms for people. It's the new normal for them to cope in this negative way. And so it's kind of this acceptance that's happened of these negative coping skills that are not good for your overall well-being and mind, body, and spirit. So 
tell us a little bit more about negative coping skills and why people might be more prone to utilize those right now. I think it's important to think about how the pandemic disrupted people's normal day-to-day life. So most people, their life consists of things like work, preparing meals, caring for family members, and sleeping, right? Those are the basic things that we all experience. And even the pandemic, it comes along and it disrupts those simple things for us. Mm -hmm. You're not sleeping as well. You might have more, you know, chaos in the home if say your your children that are students now have to work, you know, on their schoolwork from a laptop in the other room. Or, you know, maybe your work is disrupted where you have to sit on a Zoom call all day and you're not used to that. Those sorts of things really disrupted how we live our normal life. And we're used to dealing with daily stressors in certain ways with certain coping skills. And then when this big disruption happens, you might not be leaning on those same coping mechanisms anymore. So over the course of our lives, we learn different stress management behaviors. So some people that might be, you know, jamming out to their favorite song for a few minutes, or it could be lighting a scented candle that makes them relax. It could be a lot of different things that are positive. They help for the moment and then you move on. But when it comes to this pandemic, it's a little bit longer that we have to deal with this stress. Well, be honest, it's a lot longer that we have to deal with these stressors. (laughs) You really have to modify how you're going to react to the things that are going on. And for a lot of people, they're just leaning on the bad habits. And it could be a matter of convenience. It could be a matter of, you know, just you've hit a breaking point where the positive coping skills don't feel like they're good enough for you. You Mm. need something a little bit, you know, more impactful in the moment. So let me give you an example. So I know back in the beginning of the pandemic here in Ohio, our governor, Mike DeWine, would do these daily live streams at two o'clock. So he would get on the live stream and he'd give the status of what's going on with COVID in our state. Well, it quickly became a wine with DeWine where people were joking about how they were drinking while they would do these Mm check-ins with what's going on at the state level. And I mean, it blew up where it was memes, it was hashtags, it was merchandise, it was all of this stuff that was really normalizing alcohol consumption to cope. And I mean, I think everybody's pretty familiar with people using alcohol to cope with things going on in their lives. But Mm -hmm. this was really alarming to me as a prevention specialist that it was so normalized so quickly. And I really want to highlight again that it could be that matter of convenience. If you're working from home, you know, it's easier to grab a beer from the fridge than when you're at work, right? That's not something right. that you see in your break, you know, your break room, but now it's right there in your home break room. So it really, it's just that matter of convenience for people that, well, you know, maybe listening to my song isn't going to make me feel better, but cracking open a cold one is going to make me feel better right now. So right. that's where people started, you know, those maladaptive behaviors and, The same thing goes for that like mindless consumption where people have the time or the energy where they're just scrolling social media or, you know, they're reading about what their friends are saying is going on and then spreading it to another person. And that misinformation happens as a way to cope and guilty. (laughs) Everybody's gone through that, right? Like an interesting, you know, news article that science based, it just spreads really fast where you just Mm -hmm. have to tell people what you're learning as you're learning it. And it's, it's a way to cope because your mind is trying to make sense of what's happening and what to expect every day. Yeah. So, I mean, 
to explain why people are leaning on the negative coping skills, I, I think it's really just because they were so disrupted and it's hard to continue doing what you feel like isn't going to help you. Like I said, listening to music or a yoga session might not feel so good when you have to do it for three months straight every day to try to get through those anxious feelings. But that's not to say that you can't learn a positive coping skill or you can't turn yourself away from those negative coping skills when you recognize that you're doing them. So yeah, like I said, it's easy for somebody to learn something new. And if you think of coping skills being in like a metaphorical toolbox, you can grab for whatever's familiar, like we learned that, you know, you learn from when you're growing up, what's a familiar coping skill. And if you recognize that maybe the familiar ones are negative, things that harm your health, your wellness, your spirituality, you really should reconsider trying to load that toolbox up with some positive coping skills. Or if you recognize you're leaning on a negative one that you normally wouldn't have, it's time to go back to your toolbox with the positive coping skills and really reconsider what you're doing each day to deal with stressors. And I think that there's, there's a level of exhaustion that people are starting to feel if they haven't already been feeling it, it's really setting in now, especially with these new variants coming along. Um, I'm just exhausted. And I've realized that in a lot of different areas in my life where I have been kind of being lax with my self-care practices and just things that I know are going to be beneficial for my overall well-being. But in the moment, that habit just feels so not worth my time. But like you're saying, I mean, it's so hard when you're in that stressful moment to kind of remove yourself from it and then remember, okay, what are my coping skills that are positive that I know in the long run are going to be beneficial, whether or not it feels beneficial in this moment. And I think that that mindfulness is really difficult when you're exhausted. You're just, you're kind of at the end of your rope. And so I think a lot of people are experiencing that right now. Yeah, like those little cliches of like running on empty, right? Or running on fumes, excuse me. That's absolutely what it feels like for everyone that I know. So you really have to have those positive coping skills and practice them. Be, you know, mindful of actually going out of your way to practice these daily so that you have those on deck when you are in a really stressful situation or something new comes your way and you need to figure out a way to handle it. Yeah. I mean, I'm even thinking like, so we've mentioned a couple of these positive coping skills, like exercising, meditation, listening to music, maybe it's uh, going for a walk in, in nature. But I think, you know, people know these things when we're kind of in a conversation like this, but sometimes it's hard to recall these positive coping mechanisms when you're in the middle of a hardship or just chaos, you know? And so I'm thinking to myself, man, what, what can I do to help myself in the future and making a list on my phone? I mean, it sounds so silly maybe. Mm -hmm. And just like, well, of course you can recall that listening to music is going to calm you down or help you, you know, reset yourself. But honestly, in the moment, no, it's hard to remember those things and it's hard to make yourself do them. So, so let's say that you or someone that, you know, is really struggling with coping with the pandemic or just life in general, I feel like right now is, is hard. Um, and so what can we do to support ourselves and others who might be really struggling right now? It's important to know that we cope with stressors every day. And a lot of them can be really simple, like daily things, right? So it's vitally important that we learn how to access positive coping skills. 
So my advice is for people to think about three questions every day. So if you identify that you're struggling or maybe someone you care about is trying, you know, they're struggling to cope with what's going on in their life, encourage them or yourself to think of these three things. The first question is, what did I do to help myself cope today? So it could be any sort of trivial thing that you had to cope or something big that happened you had to cope with. What did you do? What were the different things that you did to cope with those stressors? Make a list, like you said, so you can look at this. Then number two, were those coping strategies helpful? Did those things actually do something to benefit me? Was it a really temporary help or is it something that's actually gonna help me a little longer term? And then number three, did I do things that were healthy and productive or could they cause damage to my well-being? Really narrow down whether or not there's something that's going to help you or hurt you. Those three questions can really help people to hone in on whether or not what they're relying on to cope is positive or negative. And if you recognize it's negative about yourself or you're assessing a friend and really understanding that they're being negative, they're not really taking care of themselves or their stressors, it's time to try to identify some positive coping skills that they could rely on. So some ways that you could help yourself or someone else, like you said, the first thing I would suggest is making a list of what are some things I could do if I was in a stressful situation and I needed to cope with it. Um, some other things you could do is you can take those, those coping skills that you've listed and really ask yourself, okay, what's realistic for me? Is this something I would actually do or enjoy? If I think, oh, I'll start a new hobby like knitting. I, I don't think I would wanna actually do that. So yeah, that's a coping strategy, but it's not for me. And then I would advise somebody that the next step would be to really practice them. And that might sound kind of silly, but even if something trivial happens during the day, practice using one of these coping skills so that you get better at it. Just like any other skill, it takes practice to be good at. So, and then of course, what I would really recommend people do is if they're really struggling or you're, you know, person you care about is really in a tough spot and they're not able to really get those coping skills going, they don't feel like they can really make a change in their life seek out some professional help. So a therapist, a counselor, find somebody whose job is to help people navigate these situations. So I hope that, you know, people don't feel like they're an old dog that can't be taught new tricks, you know, <laughs> right? Anybody can learn these new coping strategies and skills. It's just going to take a little bit of work, which might feel overwhelming in the moment. So work on it when you're not struggling, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a minute where you're feeling pretty good, that's when you should take the time to sit down and try to figure this out. There's a story about Michael Phelps that I like to share, the Olympic swimmer. He had a coach whose philosophy was all about picturing the perfect swim. Every time you practice in that swimming pool, picture it being your perfect swim. That's the way you're going to get the gold medal. But after a while, he wanted a little bit of a challenge. So Michael Phelps decided, I'm going to start, you know, closing my eyes while I swim. I'm going to get it in my head exactly how far each stroke needs to be, how far I need to stretch before I hit the wall of the pool, all that stuff. Well, in the 2008 Beijing Olympics, he was about to swim, what was it, the 200-meter butterfly. I looked it up to be sure I was correct. And when he got in the pool, the sound went off to get going for the race. And as soon as his head hit the water, his goggles started filling. So he was like in a panic for a moment, but it didn't stop him. He had practiced so many times with his eyes shut that he didn't need to have his sight. So wow. he just clicked right into what he knew. He swam, got to the other side of the pool. He was done with the race. He ended up with the gold medal and he broke a record. 
So it's all because of the way that he had practiced for those sorts of situations. He might not have really knew in the moment, hey, I'm going to do this because one day I might not be able to see in the pool. But challenging himself to be prepared for things like that and visualizing really made the difference when it came time to need that skill. So I like to teach students that when it comes to a peer pressure refusal skill, practicing it before you get the peer pressure is going to have you in a far better place when it does happen than the person who's never practiced. Yeah. And I feel that's the same concept you can put towards these coping skills. If you practice them, even if you don't necessarily need it right this moment, when the day comes that you do really need something to rely on and you really want to make sure it's positive, practicing those skills now is going to help you way better in the future when you really need to turn to it. Yeah. Well, you have to know how to use the tools that you have in your toolkit. Like if you have a power drill and you don't know how to use it, it does, you no good, even if it's in your toolkit. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's, it is so important to practice like you're saying. And I I think that we have a lot of resources within the ministry on the be well website that can help with this. We have so many different pathway programs that you can engage in like intro to mindfulness, which is going to teach you how to be and practice this mindfulness and things like stress relief toolkit, where you're, you're gaining all of these tools to put in your toolkit and you're learning how to use them before you get to that stressful event. So again, it's kind of going back to this prevention, you know, it's that, that mindfulness prior to the difficult moment is prevention in and of itself. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this was a much needed conversation and I think there are a lot of really great takeaways. Um, So I appreciate your time, Lindsay, and I am excited for all of us to now go and work on our coping skills. Thank you for listening to the Be Well podcast. Remember, you can log into your Be Well account from home, work, or by using the Adoro app found on the Google Play Store or in the App Store. Visit bsmhbewell.com to access human performance coaching, well-being challenges, Be Well Live virtual events, and the most up-to-date information on program requirements and deadlines. For questions and technical assistance, reach out to the Be Well support team at 855-376-6474, weekdays 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks and be well. The information presented in this podcast is strictly informational and not intended to be used for or interpreted as medical advice. Always consult your physician before making changes.